Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Third and Central Podcast. The only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is your host, Matt Sefkovic, joined by Aaron. Aaron, I know it's been a little while since we've got together. How's everything going the past couple of months? Yeah, I've been busy, been crazy busy, but you know, doing good. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. I, I would, I want to jump right into things. I know it's right before Halloween, so before we start talking about Louisville baseball, we've got to talk about this because this is a big discussion, and this is something that Mike Leach is very passionate about. And if Mike Leach is passionate about it, then I'm naturally just going to be passionate about it because I love Mike Leach. What is your favorite Halloween candy? Slam dunk, easiest pick for me, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. A classic that never gets old. Right. So that's that's number two for me. Always has been, always will be. I'm just a huge Sour Patch Kids fan. I don't know why. You know I'll give that to you. I'll give that to you. I think that's a pretty solid choice. So, um, you know, obviously I don't trick or treat anymore, but my kid, if he goes trick or treating, dad tax, I'm going to take the Sour Patch Kids or I'm going to take the Reese's Pieces. Those, those are just the two that I'm going after. So if he gets those two this year, we're actually going to be with the zoo tomorrow night in Louisville. If, if he gets those, they're mine. He won't get to partake in those. He probably, his, his mom probably won't let him have the Sour Patch Kids anyways. But Sour Patch Kids and Reese's Pieces, I'm with you. They're coming home, and they're staying with me. You know what? No judgment at all. That's, that's what he's there for, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. I think I've deserved a couple, a couple pieces of candy. <laughs> but we'll go ahead and jump into things. We, last we talked, we had Jamie from PBR on and kind of talked about Louisville baseball recruiting and whatnot. So it, lots happened since then. We've had a couple of fall scrimmages. We've had the Pizza Bowl. So there's just been a lot going on. Uh, Louisville went up to Miami, Ohio, and scrimmaged them. Depending on who you talk to, Louisville won 12 to 3, but actually they, they they played two separate games with two separate lineups. They won the first game 11 to 3, second game they won 1 to nothing. Good thing about that to me is they show that they could win games two different ways. So I think that was a positive coming away from that. You know, you get a lot of young guys in those situations, see how they're going to react. It's really the first college game speed that they're going to see. So I, you know, Coach Mack incorporates a lot of the younger guys in these scrimmages that they've just now been able to do for a couple of years. The second game, Patrick Forbes was actually on the mound and closed the game out of the 1-0 victory. There was a couple of runners in scoring position. I think he ended the game with a strikeout, if I'm not mistaken. The thing about these false scrimmages is there's really – unless you physically go, it, it's tough to find a lot of information about them. They, they just don't put much out. But Logan Beard was three for four. You know, he's going to be relied on this year quite a bit as a upperclassman. He was three for four with a double home run, three RBIs. So uh, good to see that from him. Jack Payton, same thing. He's going to be heavily relied on from this offense. He had a basis clearing double, scored three runs, um, and they had a 10-run inning against Miami in the first game. On the mound, Schmeltz, uh, he started the game. Garrett Schmeltz, local kid from PRP. Uh, he threw three innings, just gave up one run. Um, good news is uh, Kate Grundy, Justin West. We'll talk about him a little bit later because I am super excited about Justin West. Um, Tate Keener, Coger, Will, uh, Caleb Corbett, Evan Webster, they all put up uh, zeros. I know it's a lesser opponent playing Miami, nothing to the Miami program, but it, it's just good to see the the guys get out and compete and win two games. So, and that is a lot to take away, and I want to I want to talk about Justin West because that that's my guy. I saw him pitch a couple times in the fall, and I'm telling you right now that is a Friday night caliber freshman. Mm -hmm. That this is I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say this. It it would not surprise me one bit if we see Justin West's face on the right field wall before his time is done here at Louisville. I think he has that good of stuff. I really do. 
No, I, I 100% agree. And, I, you know, you, you don't want to put that on a freshman, but he ha- he does have that kind of potential. Like, I, I think he's a kid. So he had Tommy John before last season. He That's why he's in this class. And he came to Louisville early, graduated high school early because he, he wasn't going to play his senior year. And now he's back and he's obviously pitching and he's doing very well. I think he's a guy that we may have not had the chance to even show up on campus if he didn't have Tommy Johns. He's that good that I think he probably could have and may have signed out of high school. So I, I, that, that's the kind of talent we're talking about with Justin West. And I think the, I think he, he can play. And I think we're going to see a lot of Justin West in the future. I 100% agree with that. So then after Miami Louisville played Purdue, that was actually a home scrimmage. They won 18 to six. That game was basically just a home run derby. I think Tyler Hawkins had two as a Humphrey, uh, freshman Brantley Bamberg, Eddie King, Tucker Biven, Blaine Schmidt, Will Veerling, another freshman. Um, they all hit home runs that day. Uh, Evan Webster, Schmelz, Koger, Caleb Corbett each struck out three batters in the outing. So just um, a lot of good things happened on both sides of the ball. Positive to see it, you know, them bounce back and beat another good Purdue team. Purdue started something crazy like, I don't know, 10, 15 and 0 last year. Everybody got all excited about Purdue because they hadn't got beaten the first couple months of the season. And then I think they finished around 500, but still, for, you know, for the Midwest team, um, it, it was good to see the younger guys come out and compete uh, that weekend as well. And then after that, they jumped into the Pizza Bowl. Uh, if you don't know what the Pizza Bowl is, the the two assistant or two of the assistant coaches, Adam Vrabel and Eric Snyder, they divide the teams into two rosters. And they name the teams after two former players. This year, it was Adams Angels, which is Adam Vrabel, the assistant coach, and the Angels is for Reed Detmers. And the second team was Seattle Snide, which was for the third base coach Eric Snyder and Drew Ellis, who's playing for the Mariners. So they play a seven-game series with each other. And it's this is really a fantastic opportunity for fans to get in and see a lot of baseball in just a short period of time. So you get exposed to the younger guys that, you know, kind of see them for the first time since they've stepped foot on campus. But Adam Vrabel won this year four, uh, four, two to one. And I think that's, if I'm not mistaken, that's Vrabel's second win over Snyder. So Snyder's got a lot of pressure going in to the pizza bowl next year, <laughs> but um, I'm not going to go over all seven games. Man, the young guys really, if you looked at the line, the stat lines, Patrick Forbes hit two home runs in one of the games. Justin West, again, Will Veerling, uh, Matt Klein right here from Trinity. They both showed a lot of power. It was good to see some of that sophomore going to be junior class of Grundy, Liggett, Coger, Hawks, and those guys step up on the mound too and show some show some promise from the bullpen. My takeaway from from the Pizza Bowl is that this is probably the deepest team that we have ever had, and you know I think that's that says a lot about about Dan McDonald and his staff recruiting this year, and also how lucky and, and fortunate we are that the draft fell the way that it did, and we were able to get a lot of these guys on campus because I think that we're going to have a lot of freshmen who are getting meaningful innings this year. And that, that pizza bowl, man, that was, that was really competitive. I think we've got freshmen who are young and hungry and are, that are chomping at the bit that, you know, they want that, they want to take that playing time away from, from some older guys. I will say this. If you're an older upperclassman on this year's Louisville team, you better watch out because this freshman class is that good. And I don't think I can say that enough. And the guys that are on this freshman class, they showed in the fall scrimmages and they showed in the pizza bowl that if you're not performing well, they've got the talent to take your position. And I'm not saying the upperclassmen don't have talent. There's a boatload of talent on this roster with Jack Payton behind the plate and Isaac Humphrey in the outfield and Logan Beard in the infield. Like there's a lot of talent on this team, but that's more to speak on I think the freshman class, how good they are, not really that the upperclassmen aren't good. I think it's just more of a testament to how good these incoming kids are. Yeah, I I think that, you know, in previous years coming out of fall ball, we kind of have an idea of who's playing where going into the season. 
this year, I think when you look up and down the lineup, there are still a lot of things to be determined as we move forward. I think the big spot for me right now is who's playing first base. We're coming off of a year with Ben Bianco holding it down over there at first. In fall ball, we saw Ryan McCoy, a JUCO transfer, get a lot of reps there. Will Cook is back and healthy. He's gotten a lot of reps there. Uh, if I had to speculate right now, I would say that Ryan McCoy is your opening day first baseman. But I also think that the fre- the trio of freshman catchers, Veerling, Klein, and Bamberg, their bats showed a lot of, of promise this fall, and they can make some noise before opening day. And I would not be surprised if we saw a couple catchers get some playing time at first base in the spring. If, if for those of you that don't know who Ryan McCoy is, you'll you'll when you see him, <laughs> you'll quickly <laughs> know um, he's six four two twenty. He he's a big old boy, and he's a transfer from Wabash, Wabash uh, Valley College, a junior college. And last year, all he did was hit four thirty five with seventeen home runs and eighty three RBI. So. The, the the kid can hit the ball a country mile. He's a big old boy. I think he has a lot of promise. But at the same time, you know, like you said with Will Cook, the the staff was really really excited about Cook before last season. Like I was, I heard terms that they thought Will Cook could possibly be a freshman All American last year, and then he got hurt and had shoulder surgery, so he, he didn't get to see the field. But I think that's the kind of talent we're talking about with the two guys that are probably front runners for first base. Yeah, so keeping it on the infield then, I think we're going to see Christian Napchik move over to second base. That one, the writing on the wall was definitely there. I think uh, think that Nap profiles as a professional second baseman going into his junior year where he's going to be drafted. You want him at second base. I think Logan Beard makes the shift over to third base from second base last year. And then that leaves shortstop, um, you know, right now, if I had to take a guess and, you know, a lot of things can happen between now and, and the start of the season, but I'm liking freshman Gavin Keelan to, to be our opening day shortstop. What do you think about that? No, I, I agree with you 100%. And he's a left-handed hitting shortstop, um, covers a ton of ground, fielding the ball. His hands are quick. I think, um, I think him and Napchik up the middle, are going to work really well together. They're like I said, they're going to cover a ton of ground because Napchik already does. And when you couple that with what Keelan's going to do, really excited about the future of middle infield this year. And I, I think those are the two guys. I think Keelan's at short, and I think Napchik moves to second. I think that I think you're spot on. All right, and then turn our attention to the outfield now. And this one is the most intriguing <laughs> battle to me. You know, you've got Isaac Humphrey, who's probably. Just about, you know, he's a guaranteed lockout there at right field. You're going to see him in right field and probably hitting third on this year's team. But with the departure of Cam Masterman and Levi Usher, you've got two outfield spots, and there are probably five or six guys who could make a serious play for those spots. Uh, I mean, my favorite from the fall has been Eddie King. Dude is just torn the cover off the ball. I think that he'll be your opening day left fielder. As far as center field goes, I think we're going to look at Haven Mangrum, who to me is just another Levi Usher, pretty much. Everything about him uh, just screams Levi Usher to me. And I think that's our opening day center fielder. But at the same time, you know, there are so many guys who are looking to break down that wall. If anybody isn't performing uh, up to up to the standards of Louisville baseball, you got guys like JT Benson, uh, Tyler Hawkins, Corbin Dickerson that are all ready to go. And, you know, there's even a few freshman outfielders, uh, you know, I mentioned Dickerson and Michael Lippi too, really stood out during the, the pizza bowl. I think, uh, I think the outfield is loaded with talent right now. Yeah. The, the outfield, well, this Louisville baseball program in general, but the outfield is in damn good hands right now. I, I, there's, there's probably six or seven guys that you could realistically put out there right now. Aaron and I were actually talking the other day because we talk about Louisville baseball like every day um, because that's what we do. We were talking the other day. I think our two deep this year, and Aaron, we, we spoke about this, our two deep this year, <laughs> I mean, could probably finish 500 in the ACC. I mean, they're the, we're going to be that deep this year that you could put some of the, the twos and threes out there, and I think they could really compete. No, I 100% agree. 
And I really hope that uh, that Mr. Stowers, Josh Stowers, dad listens to this podcast because I'm about to drop his favorite phrase. Uh, this outfield, you will see the return of the no fly zone. That's right. And, you know, looking at a trio of, in my opinion, I think it's going to be King, Mangrum, and Humphrey. That trio is going to cover a lot of ground, and you are not going to see a lot of balls find grass. And not to take anything against Cam Masterman, but last year, you know, Cam Masterman's out out in the left field, and he he improved immensely, I think, defensively while during his time at Louisville, but. He's just a bigger guy. He's not going to cover as much ground. You're not going to have that with the group that we've got in the outfield this year. I think they're going to cover um, a ton of ground out there. Like you said, the no-fly zone is going to be in full effect in at Jim Patterson Stadium this season, and I am here for every single bit of it. Yeah, it's it's going to be exciting, man. I I cannot wait for for this team and you know see how that outfield develops. So just to kind of – talk about this recruiting class a little bit. I know we spent a little bit of time on it. The Baseball America had them ranked third, which is the highest in the history of the program, uh, tied with 2018 and 2021. They were number seven by perfect game after they adjusted for who was signed from the classes and who didn't sign and whatnot. So they they kind of readjust, and Louisville finished seventh there. They lost Cam Collier. <clears throat> he was drafted 18th overall. Jacob Miller, 46th overall. Logan Wagner, 195th overall, lost those three guys. They also lost Rocco, and I'm going to say his last name wrong, Brisniak. I'm going to go with that. I think he's playing Juco ball up in New Jersey somewhere. I will leave it at that. So those four guys did not show up on campus. Gavin Keelan, like we talked about, Corbin Dickerson, they were both drafted, but ultimately decided to stay on campus. Best case scenario is basically what happened with this roster. We we could not have asked for a better situation than what happened with this 2022 recruiting class. We knew we were going to lose the top two guys. Cam Collier and Jacob Miller, they were gone from the get-go. It was nice nice that they signed with this, but, but they, they were gone. Uh, Logan Wagner was kind of iffy. Um, didn't really know which way he was going to go. Ended up signing. But to lose three guys from a class that was ranked – that as high as they were, I don't think McDonald and Coach Williams and Snyder could have asked for anything more. They really got everybody on campus that they were anticipating for such a highly recruited class. You know, you look at some of these classes like Vandy and LSU, you know, some of those classes will lose six, seven, ten guys to the draft. And that just didn't happen with this year's class with Louisville as highly as they were ranked. I think that just goes to show how – balanced they are they weren't top heavy and that you know if you have you know seven top hundred guys you're obviously going to have one of the top classes right but if they all sign it doesn't matter that you have seven of the top hundred guys because they're never going to show up on campus anyway so i think it shows how balanced this class really is from top to bottom that they were to they were able to keep on um to pretty much everybody that they were anticipating getting on campus you know, I tell you what, man, going back to the draft, you know, that was a while ago, but, you know, that time around the draft, I was I was a little concerned about how this class was going to stick together because you look at the, the draft combine that took place out in San Diego. Um, Keelan and Dickerson were both there. I believe that Forbes was there, and I believe that Tucker mm-hmm. Biven was also in attendance at the mm-hmm. combine. And, you know, when I saw that, I, I was convinced that we were going to be, be losing a lot more than what we did. And, you know, it, it's great for the program either way, you know, to be able to say that we recruit guys like this who get drafted first or second round and, and sign right away, you know, that's good too. But to have these guys on campus, huge boost to, to the program. And this, this class is going to be special. You know, we look back on this, this class, you know, when they're getting drafted their junior and senior years, I think that top to bottom, this could be the biggest class that we have ever had. I say like, I can't remember which class it was a handful of years ago. We had six or seven guys drafted. I, I think this is when these guys get drafted, this class could potentially see, you know, seven to 10 of them drafted in my opinion. No, I, I a hundred percent agree. And you know, like we said earlier with Justin West, you, you don't want to 
you don't want to put a lot of pressure on a guy like that by saying that, you know, this is a future all American or anything, but after the pizza bowl was over, I, I texted you and I, I said, Patrick Forbes is a fir- as a future first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. He's a, he is a freshman. And mm-hmm. in three years, you will hear his name called in the first round. He's no out of my mind. And one thing I do want to touch on real quick, Justin West in high school, he played, he pitched for Paducah Tillman and their big rival was McCracken County. And if anybody knows high school baseball in the state of Kentucky, McCracken County, since they broke away, is one of the powerhouses in the state of Kentucky. In a seven inning game against McCracken County, Justin West struck out 20 batters. That's nuts. Let me add to that. He lost the game. And he struck out twenty batters. It went into extra innings, and they they got beat. But they he lost the game. I think I think he may have given up a run on a walk or an error or something like that. And they they went into extra innings, and he got beat. Well, Justin West, I can assure you that will never happen again in your life. You're not going to get that here at Louisville. I promise you that. Yeah, we're going to put up a couple more runs than that, so you you don't have to worry about run support here. Man, that's crazy though. All right, so I want to get into the pro ball update here. Season is done for everybody now. And, you know, over 50 guys to choose from. There's so many storylines as the season went on. Uh, but first, I want to touch on Brian Hoeing, our, our interview guest later tonight. Uh, Hoeing was, his, was the lone Louisville alumni to make his major league debut this year. Came up with the Marlins back in August. Uh, was up and down with them towards the end of the season, but man, he looked good. I think the future is very bright with Brian, and I can't wait to talk to him here a little bit and get to know him more and and you know learn about his story. Now I want to you know want to talk about Will Smith for a second too because Will Smith, I've been saying it all year since the All Star game, got robbed of an All Star spot. You know, Will Smith, in my opinion, is the best catcher in the National League. And the numbers back it up. And the, the two catchers that were were picked to the All-Star game instead of, of Will um, statistically did not have as good of a, of a season as Will. And really, it wasn't even that close. So, Will Smith, you you are an honorary All-Star in my book. Um, we had Reed Detmers, who capped off his rookie season. He went 7-6 and six with an ERA at 3.78. And, man, this kid's going to be fun You know, to, to be so young make your debut so early and to come out and, and throw a no hitter and pitch an immaculate inning in the same season, your rookie year. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you're going to be all right. And I just add in here real quick that Louisville would have won the 2020 national championship. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I say that all the time. And anybody who will listen to me talk about that, I would say, you know, we 2020 was ours. Yeah, with Detmers and Bobby Miller, no one will convince me otherwise. Oh, 100%. And I will also say that Bobby Miller, if 2020 had been a full season, he's a top five overall draft pick. I think you're probably he, right. He does that. not fall to 29 to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And then turning attention to minor league ball a little bit, Tyler Fitzgerald, man, he put up a, a crazy season for the Richmond Flying Squirrels, double A for the Giants. He had a 2020 season, which is the first one in Flying Squirrels team history, uh, set numerous franchise records. I think uh, I think that we'll be seeing another Cardinal make his debut next year because this kid is special. And then looking ahead right now, we got the Arizona Fall League going on. We've got Henry Davis, Zach Britton, and Will – or sorry, not Will Smith, Logan Wyatt, who are currently playing in the Arizona Fall League. And all three of them are putting up just ridiculous numbers Last time I checked, Zach Britton was hitting over 400. And, you know, Logan Wyatt doing Logan Wyatt things. He's got 10 walks to one strikeout right now in the fall league. And, you know, I want to touch on Zach Britton a little bit too. Zach has emerged as a very fun Toronto Blue Jays prospect. He's been entertaining, made a lot of loud contact. And, you know, as a catcher, he's just been super athletic too. He's got speed. I think that uh, he could be another one that will be will be seeing some playing time at the big league level next year. And I mean, to that note, I, I think we're going to see quite a few guys who are making their big league debut next year. If we have five or six Louisville alumni that are, are called to the big leagues next year, do not be surprised because the group that is, is ready to break down the door to the big leagues is pretty big. 
Yeah, I'm super excited about this group that we've got in the Major League Baseball. And what I really enjoy about them is, and like Brian's going to be coming on with us here in just a little bit, is that they they continue to pour into the Louisville baseball program. And, you know, they appreciate the coaching staff that was here and what they did for them to get them to the next level. So it's just good to see those guys, you know, kind of give back to the Louisville baseball program and, you know, show the support that they do. I know know it means a lot to the younger guys and, you know – when those the younger guys now get to pro ball later, um, they'll see what it meant to them, and they'll give back to the the guys that are current at Louisville when they're in their professional career. So it's it's good to see that. Oh yeah, it's 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 awesome to you know, during the off season see all these these pros come back and, and do their training in Louisville. You see a lot of them who get in work at Jim Patterson, and you know, like you said, the impact that has on the younger guys is just tremendous, and it's it's really fun to see that. You know, I've interviewed a couple of guys before, you know, talked about, you know, having Chad Green work out beside them in Louisville for the summer or something like that. You know, that, that just that means a lot, you know, having guys that are pitching for the Yankees or, you know, Reed Detmers, if you're you're on the mound and, you know, if you're a young fresh right now, let's say you're Patrick Forbes and Reed Detmers decides to come and work out at Louisville and you all are throwing a bullpen together like that, you know, that just that stuff goes a long way that they they see those guys coming back to the program. Oh, for sure. And, you know, 2023 is going to be a very special year for, for the pro cards. Uh, I'm excited. Well, I think that wraps it up for our episode that we've got. We're going to hop over to Brian Hoeing and uh, see what he has to say and catch up what what's been going on with him and, you know, talk with him about what what it's what his season's been like getting called up for the to play professional baseball and the, the dream that he's getting to live out right now. All right, so as we promised, we have a very special guest tonight. 2019 seventh-round pick of the Miami Marlins after spending four seasons in the, in the University of Louisville baseball program. He was a member of two College World Series teams, is now a Major League Baseball player. We got Brian Helling joining us on the podcast tonight. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on here. Um, looking you. forward to, to chatting up a little bit with you guys. Yeah, we really appreciate having you on. For sure. Diving right into questions here. Yep. Uh, so you rose very quickly this season, started the year at Double A Pensacola. And yep. it's, it's a Double A that's kind of like the difference between high minor leagues and, and low minor leagues. You had an unbelievable start to Double A, and you made yep. the jump quickly to Triple A. Yep. When did it start to set in with you, like, okay, like I could be a Major League Baseball player this year? <sighs> Shoot. Um... That's a tough question. Honestly, for me, I took it, I took it one game at a time. I was never going out there thinking like, you know, if I pitch good today, um, maybe next week I'm going to pitch in the big leagues or later this year, I'm going to pitch in the big leagues. <clears throat> Honestly, I was taking it one outing at a time. And like you said, like in, in Pensacola, I started off with four good outings and, you know, all of a sudden I'm getting called up to trip to AAA. And, and I, and I guess at that point, it's like, they always tell you, once you get the triple A, you're only one call away, but still at that point for me, I was like, I mean, I started in double A this year. There's no way I make it to the big leagues. Yeah. As we know, I, I eventually got up there and I mean, a lot of things had to happen for me to do that. Um, I had to stay healthy. There was a couple of injuries up in the big leagues for me to, <clears throat> for me to get opportunity up there. But yeah, it really didn't set in until I got the actual call. I never, I was never like, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it to the big leagues this year. Um, but yeah, until that actual call happened, that's when the first time I was like, wow, I'm going out to the big leagues. And I mean, it was a dream of mine since I was little and, uh, something I'll never forget. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I remember when you go know, back <laughs> to the beginning of the season, watching those first few starts for you in Pensacola, I was like, yeah. man, like, I don't remember the last time I've seen a string of performances like this. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. I haven't had a string of performances like that since high school, honestly. Um, but I felt good going into the season, to be honest. Like, I had a great spring training. My pitches felt good. My body felt good. Um, I knew what I was doing out on the mound. I had a great plan of attack. And um, after spring training, um, I just carried that on to my starts in Pensacola. And, um, yeah, the results spoke for itself. That's awesome. Yeah. You talked a little bit about a lot of things having to fall into place for you to get called up this year. Kind of talk us through that moment, you know, that's probably one of the biggest moments of your life, you know, to date, yeah. you know, going across the country on a short notice, having to face the Dodgers. I'm sure there was yeah. a lot of emotions involved, yeah. like, you know, how'd that call go? Just kind of talk to us about that and just what you felt. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like it was a, it was just a regular Friday night in Jacksonville. We had just got done with, um, I think it was, might've, might've been a double header day. And um, we had actually had an off day on Saturday. So I'm in Jacksonville. My girlfriend and my buddy are actually in Jacksonville visiting me at this point. And um, we were about to go get a drink and some dinner at, at a restaurant. 
And um, I call an Uber from my apartment and I, and I call an Uber and 10 minutes later, I get a phone call from a number that I don't have. They, I, here I am. I think it's my Uber that's telling me that, yo, I'm, I'm at your place. Like, can you guys come out and I'm going to pick you guys up? And so I answer it and it ended up being uh, my AAA manager, Brownie. And I didn't have his number saved. And I was like, I said, hello. I was like, is this the Uber? And he goes, he goes, Brian, he goes, this is Brownie. I'm like, oh, what's up, Brownie? He goes, he goes, this isn't an Uber. He goes, you're, you're going to LA tomorrow. And I was like, whoa. So my whole night went from thinking I'm going to have an off day tomorrow on a Saturday to I'm having a flight to LA at 6 a.m. the next morning. So it was, yeah, it was quite the turnaround, honestly. It was like, it was like a 360 for me, basically. And so, yeah, I had to go back to the clubhouse, pack up all my stuff. And then my girlfriend, my friend, and I all flew out to LA that day. And I was just, it was just full of emotions. I couldn't sleep that night. Like you said, I'm flying six hours to go face the Dodgers. You know, one of the best lineups in baseball, if not the best lineup in baseball. And um, it was just full of emotions. When I got told, because I wasn't sure if I was going to start or not that night, um, Don, Donnie came out to me and goes, yo, you're, he goes, you're going to be activated tonight, but we just don't know if you're going to start or not. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Just keep me updated. And about an hour later, he came up to me and goes, all right, you're starting tonight. And at that point, that's when all the emotions basically hit my body. And like, it took me back a little bit for sure. And I, and I got on my phone, <laughs> I texted, texted my brother, my mom, and a couple of my friends. And I was like, I was like, Hey, I'm starting tonight. And I'm sitting there at my locker and all of a sudden all these texts start pouring into my phone. And it's like the emotions were taking over my body um, to the point where I've never felt anything like that before in my life. Everybody who I've ever, you know, known coming up through baseball, family, friends, old teammates, all reaching out to me before the game saying, hey, good luck tonight. We're going we're gonna to watch you. And it got to the point where I had to turn my, I didn't put my phone away because I was reading all these texts and I was like almost getting emotional type thing. And um, yeah, it was just a lot. Like you said, like I said earlier, man, it was just a dream come true. I worked so hard for this. And, and like I said, like a, a lot of things had to fall into place for me for this to happen. The fact that it was actually happening in that moment, um, it was surreal. I said, oh, that's awesome. I'm just getting chills. You talking about it. And I, I had nothing yeah. to do with it at all. So. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Listen man. to your story. That's awesome. So spending the last couple of months of the season, you kind of back and forth between Miami and Jacksonville a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, what's something that fans might not know about that grind and going back and forth? How was that experience? For you? <laughs> yeah, it's it, like you said, it is a grind. Um, it's, it's not all roses by any means. Um, the back and forth movement, it's just a lot of traveling. Um, it's a lot of moving or, or, you know, half my stuff's in Jacksonville, but I'm in Miami. So it's like, I got half my stuff with me. I'm living out of a suit, the same suitcase for the last, you know, three to four weeks of the season. So I only got so many pairs of shoes, so many pairs of clothes, and it's just, it can get exhausting. Like if, if say, you know, the way I got called up um, or twice, two times I got called up, I got called up and I pitched that exact day. So it's like, you wake up in the morning, you have a flight and you go and pitch that night where, you know, not that it's not the end of the world, but it's definitely not the best on your body. So towards the end of the year, once I was up there for that final, you know, two to three, whatever that was, two to three weeks, I got more into routine. So that was much better for me on my body. So I can, I can compare, prepare a lot better than when, you know, you know, I was just bouncing up and down. Um, Cause that traveling, man, it's not easy. It, it can get exhausting. Like I said, and I want to flip the switch a little bit and go back to 2021 when you were in Beloit, you yeah. kind of flipped a switch about halfway through the season, you were yeah. lights out down the stretch. Yeah. What, at what point kind of what, what did you find? What allowed you to make that switch, you know, going down the stretch second half of the yeah. season to take that yeah. next step? Yeah. It's funny you say that. People ask me that about a lot, and I love that question. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm in high A halfway through the season. I'm having not a great year at all. Just, you know, very average average numbers and not very good results out there on the mound. And um, it got to a point where I've never been an analytical guy, but it got to the point where I needed, like, I needed to dive deep into my pitches and see um, what was going on with my pitches and how they were moving towards the plate. And so <laughs> me not being an analytical guy, I went up to, an, to our analytic guy and I was like, hey, can I see like my spin rates? And because that's, you know, that's kind of how baseball is these days. It's all these analytics and like the, the spin rate, the, the horizontal break, the vertical break and all this stuff. And he was basically saying, he goes, he goes, you ever throw your two seam fastball? And I was like, I rarely throw my two seam fastball. And he goes, well, analytically, this thing is going to play a lot better than your four seam fastball. And so my very next start, I went out there and I threw all two seam fastballs. I had the best start of my best start of my uh, year that year, and I was like, I was sitting there, I was like, all right, this might actually work. 
the next start, I do the same thing. I throw a bunch of two-seam fastballs, which is basically what I like to call my sinker. And all these dudes are just hitting into the ground, and I'm getting quick outs. I'm going deep into the game. And it basically just revolutionized my, my, pitching, my pitching career. And so I finished out the year throwing a bunch of two-seams, which turned my season around. And I felt comfortable with it. I knew how to use it. I knew when to use it. I knew how to play it off my other pitches. And, um, yeah, that was basically it. I went from – because I always threw a generic forcing fastball. And, and, you know, at this level, my my 92 to 94 forcing fastball is going to get hit around a little bit if it has no movement on it. It was just basically rip, running right into barrels. But this two-seam movement was allowing me to get under the barrels, and they were just hitting it straight into the ground. And so that – yeah, that moment right there, halfway through the season, when I talked to an analytical guy, that's what changed everything around for me. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. – Sticking with Beloit, you know, I think that the Marlins are fortunate. You know, you have Jupiter, Pensacola, and Jacksonville, yeah. which are not bad places <laughs> to be for minor league yeah. baseball. Yeah. But you spent an entire season in Beloit, Wisconsin, yeah. which yeah. isn't exactly Pensacola or Jacksonville. No, not even close. What, what was that experience like? <laughs> Sheesh, man. Where do I even start with that? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was quite the experience. I think we all just, on that 2021 Beloit team, we all deserve some type of trophy for just grinding <laughs> through that season. Um, but no, it, the guys made it great. Like, I love my teammates. It was awesome. But halfway through the season, I guess more than halfway through the season, we were at the old stadium, which is, you know, it, it might be worse than my high school stadium type of thing where there's 100 fans there. And it's, and it's one of the worst playing services I've ever played on in my life where – when you go out to warm up in the outfield, you, you might need to put on ankle braces or else you're going to roll an ankle. There's nobody there. It's cold. It's Wisconsin. We're playing at a high school park. Our, our dugouts are, you know, as big as a, I don't even know, a, a bedroom or fitting all these dudes down there. It was a grind for sure, but it, it definitely made everybody closer on that team. Like we all become really, really close because of the circumstances we were put through. Um, and the locker room wasn't great at all. It was just your, your generic wooden lockers, very, very tight knit in there. The showers were anything crazy. But thankfully, in August in 2021, they built the new stadium in Beloit, which is beautiful. They, the ABC Supply Stadium is well, is well built, and it's a turf field and a great area. It's in downtown Beloit. And um, <clears throat> yeah, we, we went from you know, the worst of the worst uh, in high aid, basically that's, I think that's one of the best stadiums in high aid now is that Beloit stadium. But yeah, what we came from is um, I don't wish that upon anybody. <laughs> so yeah, we, we got to be careful talking about Wisconsin with some of the guys like Ben Ellis and that they'll, they'll be. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I can talk about it until they go there and play a couple or, uh, you know, season at the old Pullman stadium. <laughs> uh, so your rise to, Major League Baseball is pretty impressive. Drafted just in 2019, uh, yep. you debuted in 2022, yep. and then sandwiched in between all that was the 2020 season uh, yep. that we all had to endure. How did you spend yeah. your time in 2020 to help keep your game ready? <laughs> so when you know your name was called, you were you were you were ready to you know game speed. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. Not a lot of people know this, but actually, um, January in 2020, about two months before we we reported to. Um, spring training I was I, I tore my ACL so I tore my I tore my ACL I got hurt actually so COVID for me was actually a blessing because I'm not here hurt I'm gonna miss the season no matter what and all of a sudden COVID came out where now everybody's missing a season so I actually got I was very lucky with that you know obviously I did not want to get hurt like that was not good at all but the fact that I didn't lose any time was big for me and so 2020 you know during COVID that first half I was spending rehabbing my knee trying to get back and I was driving to Cincinnati. I was at home at the time. I was driving to Cincinnati, which was an hour away, four days a week to go to rehab at the Cincinnati. Um, one of the trainers there in Cincinnati, Tim Mahan, and I was just grinding Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I was in there for about two to three hours a day. And I was, you know, I was, I was mad because, you know, I did not want to get hurt like that, especially after getting drafted in 19 and my next offseason, I'm getting hurt. And that's a serious injury. It's an ACL. It's not like a thing where you can just bounce back from. And so, yeah, 2020, my COVID year, I spent a lot of time rehabbing my ACL. But once I was done with that, um, I, took my, I took my diet. That's when I honestly took my diet pretty seriously. Up until then, I just kind of ate whatever I wanted. In 2020, I was like, you know what? I'm going to find a way to get better somehow. And um, I took my diet pretty seriously. I was watching what was going in my body. Um, I started working out really, really hard. Yeah, that allowed me to kind of roll into 2020 season feeling good, um, even after tearing my ACL. 
honestly, I didn't have any idea that you tore your ACL. Yeah, it was kind of low key. Not a lot of people knew about that because it was during COVID. Like, and I never, you know, if the season would have happened and I, I would have missed people to found out because, you know, why is Brian not pitching? He tore his, you know, he tore his knee. Um, but so since there was no season, really, I just kind of right. slid on slid under the radar. I hate that it happened to you, but I guess it, yeah. if it was going to yeah, happen at any point yeah, time, feels, that was a good time yeah. for it to happen. It feels great now. It's, no, it's behind us now, but yeah, good. it feels good now. All right, so I want to flip the switch a little bit and going back to high school. You grew up in Indiana where basketball is king. It's our yeah. understanding that you were a pretty good basketball player yourself <laughs> and even maybe heard from some Big Ten schools. Uh, when did you decide that you know baseball was for me, and what was that decision like to give up basketball? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I grew up in a basketball family. My mom played basketball at Ball State. My aunt played basketball at Purdue. And basically, the school I went to, baseball high school, they're known, the community is known for its basketball. So everybody goes out to the games. And so growing up, um, I loved basketball more than I like baseball. And it was just happened to be that I just happened to be better at baseball than I was basketball. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever been to any Indiana basketball game, any in a high school basketball game, but it's different there. Like the crowds are coming. Like we're, we're filling out, filling out gyms, 4,000, 5,000 people a game. So the atmosphere is absolutely electric. Yeah, but I never played AU basketball because I was always playing travel baseball with the Indiana Bulls. And so all these colleges are like, yo, can you play AU basketball? I'm like, no, I'm spending my time playing travel baseball. I, I can't do both in the summer. That's way too much because I had a single parent, my mom, and she couldn't drive me to, you know, little, she's only finding time to drive me to baseball games, let alone baseball and basketball games. I was like, I got to stick with baseball. But somehow these coaches, yeah, these Big Ten coaches and Brad Stevens and all these guys still found a way to come and watch me play at baseball. And they come to the gym. Um, Matt Painter was there. Um, Brad Stevens was there. Coach Meyer, one of the assistant coaches with Michigan, was there. Coach Crean from IU, when he was there, was at the time. He came and watched me play. And I, when I went to visit colleges um, my freshman and sophomore year, I was going to visit for being a two-way. Um, so I visited those schools like Indiana, Purdue, Michigan, Butler, um, all those schools be a two-way um, baseball and basketball. And then it got to the point where I was like, I sat down with my mom. I knew she wanted me to play basketball because she is, you know, she's a hoop, she's a hooper. She played in college. And I was like, mom, I didn't really think my future's in baseball. I need to put all my marbles with, with baseball and kind of put the basketball, you know, the basketball book away. And so it was kind of hard a little bit to make that decision because I love basketball so much. Um, and I think it ended up pretty good. Um, so I think you made the right I was decision. Just saying, yeah, I think I made the right decision. <laughs> Even though I, I still watch basketball, I still miss it a lot. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm happy with my decision and um, and how it's turned out. Last couple of questions we're going to ask you, kind of going back to your time at Louisville, and not that Coach McDonald and the staff really need an elevator pitch based on how they're recruiting <laughs> and yeah. how they're playing. But since you went through the program and played for Coach Mack and yeah. you know, Coach Williams, like, what's your elevator pitch? If you were talking to a high school baseball player, yeah. you know, that played at the elite level, why would you tell them to go play at Louisville? Yeah. Um, man, I could go on and on about that. <laughs> um, but to keep it short and simple, um, I think what stood out about Coach Mack and Coach Williams and all the coaches there is that they actually cared about you as a person. Um, I didn't have the smoothest career at Louisville. I had a lot of ups and I had a lot of downs. I was going through injury. And throughout that whole time, they stuck with me no matter what. Um, and I'm thankful for them. Thankful for that, that they were able to do that for me. And um, just the culture that's there at Louisville Baseball, it's, it's a winning culture. Um, and the internal competition, I mean, you got 30, how many guys on a roster? 30-something? Or 27? They've expanded maybe them now. I think you're yeah. 35 now. Okay, so, yeah, you got 35 guys there that are all trying to, you know, just get better with one another and we're all trying to fight for the same spot. Nothing's just handed to anybody. Um, and that just makes everybody better. Like you go out to practice and you look to your left, you look to your right, you're like, oh my gosh, that guy's good. That guy's good. I better step up today at practice and do something mm -hmm. special or else I'm going to get looked over. And um, it just makes it fun the way we compete there. And, um, and they prepare you for life as well. Um, they hold you accountable um and they're and they're great to fall on even like post baseball like there was times where you know they get into you a little bit right if they if you don't you don't you don't do your job they're gonna get into you but looking back like I'm thankful that they were able to do that for me because it made me a better person and better player in the long run and I, I I love talking to them it's it's cool to see them from a different perspective now where I'm not one of their players where I'm you know I can actually talk to them like a you know like a human being <laughs> and they're not just coaching me anymore so um yeah I'm, I'm grateful for my time at Louisville 
and especially with the new facilities coming in too like the facilities are gonna be mm -hmm. top notch but they're gonna be able to yes. do out out past the left field wall like i don't see why you wouldn't want to go to louisville you're in the midwest a lot of talent around and the acc and yeah it's it's the best man so you were a part of some really special teams while you were at louisville you have a favorite yeah. memory that stands out above the rest man for me personally it was it was going to omaha I was going to Omaha twice. Um, my freshman year, I, I I wasn't able to play, but because of Tommy John, I was I was not able eligible to play. But um, that freshman year, um, all those draft picks you got: Corey Ray, Kyle Funkhauser, Will Smith, Zach Birdie, um, Drew Harrington, just all those uh, Blake Tiberi, all those guys. Like as a freshman, you look at that roster, you're like, these dudes are insane. Like this is one of the best college baseball teams ever put together. Mm -hmm. And so I think. After my freshman year, after all those guys got drafted, it was like, all right, who's next type of thing? Like, who's going to step up now and, and kind of, you know, fill, fill the hole? And um, we were able to go to Omaha my sophomore year and my senior year. That experience there was incredible. I mean, as a college baseball player, that's what everything is geared towards. All the workouts in the mornings, all the practices, all the fall, fall scrimmages, everything is just to go to Omaha and eventually win it all. And the fact that, you know, not a lot of teams, there's only eight teams that can go each year. And the fact that I was able to go twice in my, in my time there is, you know, it speaks volumes. And, yeah, the way that the fans were able to travel, too, we had a pretty good fan base in Omaha. It's not an easy trip out there. Um, and you're playing in a beautiful stadium against the top competition. Um, I think the whole experience there brought everybody closer. And, <clears throat> we, I mean, we, still, we all still talk about that today, just the Omaha experience. Um, it's something you all strive for. You know, when you grow up to be a college baseball player, that's what you want to do. I think we touched on this a little bit earlier. You talked about playing in, you know, Beloit and the, the stadium and the facilities that you had. Yeah. You know, you kind of compare those to, um, you know, Louisville and the facilities that are there. Yeah. Right? Kind of yeah. Like, yeah. like, when did it hit you that the, you know, minor league baseball, the grind is a little bit different than it is at Louisville? You know, not everything's just handed to you yeah. anymore. And how did you react to that? And when did that all hit you? Yeah, man, it hit me right away. <laughs> like 2019, when I first got drafted, it hit me like a train. I was like, all right, this isn't Louisville. This isn't this isn't four star or five star hotels, chartered flights, amazing food. This is this is 10 hour bus rides, not great food, horrible sleeping conditions, terrible fields. And so there was a point in 2019, um, I was like, man, I miss college. <laughs> I was like, I wish I was back at Louisville right now. Like I'm I'm, I'm squeezed into a bus, you know, for an eight hour, eight, 10 hour trip next to my buddy. It's like, you got guys laying in the aisle of the bus trying to sleep. And we play that, we play that night. And it was just like that. Cause we come from ACC school, power five school. And a couple of my, I was on Batavia muck dog. Like that was my short season with Batavia muck dogs up in the New York Penn league. And a couple of us, uh, there's a couple of SEC guys, ACC guys, we're all looking at each other like, man, I was like, how nice would it be if we were back in college right now? <laughs> <laughs> and we were all like, this This is brutal, man. But yeah, it, it hit me right away. I mean, the food, the travel, the fields, the, the crowd, everything took a little bit of a dip right away once I got drafted and got the pro ball. But that's part that's of it. it. I mean, they, they prepare you for that. They warn you about how brutal it is. But yeah. you never really know what it's going to be like until you go through it. I've seen some videos on Twitter, you know, circulating when – you know, like a, a bus will get stuck somewhere and the team yeah. hops off the bus and they're like pushing yeah. it out. Of oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuck. I'm like, that's real life. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a story about that. Actually, we were uh, traveling to Auburn, Auburn, New York, and um, the bus wanted to start after a game. So we all slept in the clubhouse um, until, the, until we got a new bus. Yeah. All took, all took a nap or not even a nap. We slept through the night in the clubhouse until they got us a new bus. So, yeah, those stories are all true. Yeah, that wouldn't happen at Louisville. They would just make a phone call and there would be a new exactly. bus. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Coach Mondor's, Coach Mondor's making a call. And he's like, all right, we're out of here. Let's go. All right, so one final question for you. While you were in minor league baseball, have you had any crazy fan experiences, fan, fans asking you to sign something weird, anything like that? Nothing really sticks out. Nothing really sticks out. I would say, if anything, like, this isn't too crazy, but, like, just signing, like, you know, the bare skin, like kids' arms. Or like, um, yeah, not like, like Happy Gilmore kid. coming up to you, right? Like, no, 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 <laughs> nothing like that. Nothing like that. <laughs> I knew that's what I was trying. I was like, yeah, I didn't do that. Um, I would say just yeah, the, like the kids are the, the bare skin. I'm, I'm like the kids, like yo, can you like kids are like, can you sign my arm? I'm like, are your parents okay with this? Like, are they are they cool with this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. Even though they're probably not. I was like, all right, I guess I'll sign it. 
man, I'm sure there is a fan experience, but my memory is not clicking right now. And I, I'm sure there's something out there that, that I'm probably not thinking of. But for right now, I would say just the bare skin signing is always a little bit strange because uh, you just feel guilty doing it. You're like, why am I even doing this? Just like, do you have a, do you have a ball or a hat that I can, I can sign instead? I know Aaron said that's going to be the, the last question, but I've got one follow-up question. Yeah, what you got? Since we're getting close to Halloween, what's, what's, what's the all-time, what's your favorite Halloween candy? I love asking this because oh, Halloween Mike, candy. Mike, yeah, Mike Leach is the best, and I love when he talks about Halloween candy. If you've never seen that really? interview. Really? Is he passionate that, about that? He's just – Mike Leach is just hilarious. Anytime he gets behind okay. a microphone, he's the best. Yeah. But what's your all-time go-to favorite Halloween candy? Oh, for sure, yeah. My all-time go-to is, is very generic, but it can't be beat. For me, it's a Kit Kat. A Kit Kat? I'm a, I'm a huge Kit Kat guy. Like, when I go to Dairy Queen, if I get a Blizzard, it's a Kit Kat Blizzard. It's a Kit Kat. Um, if I get any type of, uh, like, ice cream cake, it's going to be a Kit Kat flavored. So, yeah, like, even on, like, on the on the plane rides and up in Miami, the big leagues, there was Kit Kats that we were able to have um, on, the, on the flights, and I was like, I was like, I got to have at least one each trip. So <laughs> those I'm are things you, don't, you don't take those for granted when you're in the big leagues, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's, that's mine. Mine's definitely a Kit Kat. All right. Well, Brian, we appreciate you coming on tonight. I know you got a, a busy uh, life right now, so we appreciate you taking some time out of yeah, here. Yeah, no problem. Talk some uh, Louisville baseball and pro baseball and just kind of update yeah. us on what you're going on with your life right now. So we appreciate sure, it. Thank you. I just want to say for you guys, like what you guys have created with the Louisville baseball alumni report, that is incredible. Like, because I want to keep it. I mean, as everybody keeps getting drafted, there's a bunch of dudes in minor league baseball. And I want to keep up with everybody, and it'd be it'd literally be impossible for me to like go and search everybody's name and keep and see what they're how they're doing. So the fact that you guys are able to do that and you know and produce that content for everybody, and it's not just the Louisville baseball players; it's our parents, friends, like everybody who I know follows that account, and they really appreciate what you guys do for us because it makes it's cool to follow along with everybody who's you know played for Louisville. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. I know Aaron. That's all Aaron. He puts a lot of time and effort into that. Okay. So, uh, nice job, Aaron. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate it. Uh, how yeah, he does sick, it, man. I don't know. It's like he's 10 yeah. people at one time doing all this. Yeah. I don't know how he does it, but he seems yeah. to. Yeah, man. What you what you built with that is crazy. Keep it going. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Brian. We appreciate you hopping all on. Right, yeah. Tonight. No problem. We'll see you guys. And on behalf of the Third and Central Podcast, we just want to thank Brian Hoeing again for coming on and joining us and kind of listen to his story and you know the the ride that he's been on this past season and getting called up to the major leagues it's it's always good hearing from these guys and just listen to him come back and I know that Aaron they love everything you're doing with the Louisville baseball alumni report um it's kind of a slow time you know going from October now until the season starts in February but Aaron and I have talked a couple times, and I think we've got some exciting things planned for you. We don't want to just sit here and not do anything until the season starts. So we're going to – we've got a couple things planned up our sleeves. We're just ironing out the details before we make the announcement of that. But just stay tuned. But in, until then, Aaron, uh, where, where can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at AJTurn22, or you can find the uh, alumni account at the Louisville Baseball Alumni Report, and you can find my written work on the State of Louisville. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt Sefkovic or cardchronicle.com. And in the words of Sean Moth, we will see you at the ballpark. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.